Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host. He's a rocket man burning out his fuse up there alone. <laughs> it's Micah. That's a that's pretty apt. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty apt, uh, pretty apt song. Yeah, I dig it. It was either Rocket Man or Strawberry Fields Forever, oh, and I couldn't and yeah. I couldn't fit that. I couldn't find a way to like make it like something that I could say about you. Yeah, sure, that's fair. Yeah, what a uh, what a freaking film we're getting into, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's something. It's something. Yeah, this so uh, this is the second time in the new year already. Not even out of January yet, and the second time of the new year we're doing a porn. Uh, a porn-related recommendation. We're off, to, we're off to a great start, really. <laughs> this is going to be a sexy year. It's it, going to be yep. a sexy, sexy year. Um, yeah. It it evidently it evidently is. <laughs> it evidently is. Um, so before we get into before we get into that, though, I I want to I want to ask you if you have heard of this news article. Um, okay. All right. I it love just, these. Yeah, I saw it and I thought I feel like Thor should should be aware of this. Um, Here is, so it's from the New York Post, and here is the headline of the article. You ready? Yeah. Excessively farting passenger forces American Airlines flight to turn around. Wait, what? (laughs) Excessively farting passenger forces American Airlines flight to turn around. (laughs) That's hilarious. So, So... um, yeah, it basically this guy. Uh, so, again, this is from the New York Post. It says an American airline plane was reportedly first forced to turn around due to high wind, a disgruntled passenger's smelly farts. Um, this article goes on to do a whole bunch of puns within the article that are fart puns. So the next Line. Is it, it a real article though? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's from the New York Post. I, I kind of <laughs> love. Oh, it's New York. I like New York Post. Yeah. They're kind. They're not afraid to be like, okay, this is a funny story. Yeah. So we're just gonna write about it in a funny way. Yeah. Because the next thing is the big stink over the flatulent flyer unfolded <laughs> a recent flight from Phoenix to Austin. Um, and so they don't even mention the guy's name, like the person who had to to get off the plane. But they just call him the farting man that, through the that entire would be, article. I would be pissed. I would want people to know. Right. Like, that's. Yeah. That's so, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, the dude was uh, essentially he was farting a lot. People were calling him rude. And then he was calling them rude for calling him out for farting all the time. Oh, so it started like a disturbance. Yeah. And then evidently flight attendants had to get involved and they ended up turning the plane around <laughs> and kicking the guy off the plane. That is that's so funny. Like because that means he was he was just ripping them with like he had with to have. reckless abandon, <laughs> my God. <laughs> which is a bold move. Yeah. That's a bold move. Yep. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure if you had heard of it. Uh <laughs> no. <laughs> but I thought I thought it would be kind of fun to to just, just talk about. 
So I haven't been on the plane much. I haven't been on a plane much, but he's just now forever branded the fart man. The fart man. Yeah. <laughs> the worst like, superhero of all time. Uh, what if he stopped a terrorist attack? Uh, I mean, you know, so there was a superhero that whole, his whole power was farting. Powdered Toast Man? No. On Ren and Stimpy? No, no, no. It's um the spleen from Mystery Men. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was, um, oh my gosh, Pee Wee Herman. That's who played him. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Oh, what a great movie that Kel was. Kel Mitchell's in that, right? Correct. Yeah, he's the Invisible Man. Yeah. But he can only turn invisible when people aren't looking at him. <laughs> it's the only time. Oh man. yeah, what a cool, what a cool movie! I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch that. I think. Oh, that movie's hysterical. I don't know why it res. I mean, it, well, I do know why it resonated with me is because I love superhero stuff. Yeah, and so it just being like a farce on superhero team. Yeah, it kind of pokes at him. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, William H Macy as the shoveler. It was and it's uh, Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ben Stiller was Captain Furious, and his power was that he just became super, super angry. <laughs> That's all he did. <laughs> and pretty sure Janine Garofalo was the bowler. She had a bowling ball with her father's skull in it. Yeah, this all. Oh, yeah, I remember that. This all sounds so familiar. And it's like, I can't really. You know, you have you ever have that where it's like, I know I remember it, but I can't actually remember it. Yeah, like pinpoint the information. Yeah, uh, it was also it was around the time where movies just wanted to use Smash Mouth's all star in all their movies. So it's one of those movies where All Star is like the theme song. Yeah, of the film. yeah like the intro and the outro. Yeah. 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 So how do you feel? Because the singer of Smash Mouth, may he rest in peace, uh, was not thrilled about them being known as the Shrek soundtrack people. They're like, we did more than Shrek. But do you think that it would be better to be known for Shrek or Mystery Men? <laughs> me personally mystery men yeah but honestly i have so i actually heard a interesting interview with uh john mayer okay. one time and he was kind of talking about um he had a big problem for years because he kind of gets lumped in with um guys like uh jason mraz and jack johnson these kind of like sure uh poppy romantic uh singer songwriter guys yeah and he always got lumped in with them and he was like i had a big problem with that because John Mayer is an incredible guitar player. Yeah. And he's a blues guy. You know what I mean? He he plays with Dead and Company, like the Grateful Dead. It's not the original Grateful Dead anymore. He plays with them. He's like, for Jerry Garcia, one of like the greatest guitar players of all time. Sure. Right? I mean, that doesn't make and, me like him more. I'm not a Grateful no, Dead fan. No, I get but. that. But I'm saying like he comes from like blues and yeah. that's what he wanted to be. He wanted to be like this incredible blues guitarist. And everybody kind of thinks of him as the the sexy singer songwriter well that's kind of what he did though yeah that is <laughs> agreed agreed but not a lot of his stuff is though like super bluesy but the stuff that got popular are those those poppy songs and he did an interview where he was saying like it took him a long time where he used to like fight against it where he's like one day i realized like dude that's not a bad thing like jason mraz is an incredible songwriter and sure. jack johnson is a great songwriter and he was like he was like, my legacy just wasn't what I had set out for it to be. And I had an issue with that. And he was like, it took like he had to grow up and kind of mature to be like, I have an incredible career and incredible fan base. Yeah. Like, like you know what I mean? I mean like, he's been it very took, successful. Exactly. Right? So I think the guy from Smash Mouth just didn't get there. 
he obviously instead he drank himself to death <laughs> over so, over so, so say what shrek. you will say. You, think he, you think he drank himself over shrek yeah he's like god damn we're the shrek guy <laughs> jeez ah <sighs> poor guy yeah poor guy I mean, it's it sounds I, like he had a fun ride, though. You know, I think I think that's a miser like uh, liver failure is like a horrific way to go out. But it's a goddamn fun ride getting there. I, I bet. guess I'm surprised that he <laughs> couldn't. I'm surprised he couldn't get a transplant. Right. Like you're a celebrity. You've got a whole bunch of money. You can't. I think if you have like cirrhosis of the liver, I think if you I know that there are things where you have to prove that you're not going to like damage the liver or you've mm -hmm. you've got to prove that you've changed your ways. I I imagine. Yeah, I would just imagine that if you're there because of not because of some uh, freak accident or some disease you didn't see coming when it's like you're there because you drank yourself to death for the last 30 years. They're probably like, yeah, you're on the very bottom of the transplant list. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and Smash Mouth stopped sense. being famous twenty years ago, so it's like you're not famous enough to pull strings to get one. Yeah, you know? I, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like if Tom Cruise needed a liver for whatever reason, yeah, he's getting a liver. <laughs> you know <laughs> what happening. I mean? But the guy from Smash well, Mouth—he's got a whole church behind him that'll give him a liver. That was true. Maybe he was a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like Scientology is yeah. going to take care yeah, of Tom those, Cruise. Yeah, those guys are a little bit. Uh, yeah, there's stuff with them. That's a whole different podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame he was a washed up singer and yeah. not like, a, I don't know, a washed up porn star. <laughs> oh, Mikey Saber. Yeah, old Mikey Saber, which is what we're getting into. You want to do you want to talk about this, Thor? Yeah. Do you, can we just get this one? Yeah, let's talk about Red Rocket. Uh, all right. All right. Hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep. I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty, folks. So today we are discussing Red Rocket. It is a 2021, uh, like kind of dark comedy film. Uh, it's directed by Sean Baker. Uh, it was produced by A24 which has become kind of a staple on this show. Uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Hereditary, uh, Swiss Army Man. They just Mm -hmm. do a lot of good work. Uh, Let's see. It is starring uh, Simon Rex as Mikey Saber Davies. Uh, And Mikey is a washed up porn star who left Texas in like 2000, went to Los Angeles, became this big hotshot porn star. And we join him in 2016. He is now out of the business and is forced to go back home to his small town in Texas. Yep. And Texas uh, move City. in with his estranged wife, played by Brie Elrod. And while he's there, you know, he's trying to rebuild their relationship and be... You think he's trying to be a good guy until he goes down to the local donut store 
and meets a girl named Ray Lee who goes by Strawberry, a 17-year-old high school student who he immediately sees, I can turn her into a porn star. And he starts a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. It's, Just sees the potential there. It's pretty dark. Uh, some other notable mentions. Uh, his mother-in-law, Lil, is played by Brenda Dice. And his neighbor, Lonnie, is played by Ethan Darbo. Yeah, I don't... I don't know any of the cast I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, Simon Rex, the guy who plays the main character, Mikey, he's the only one who kind of seems familiar. I think his biggest thing other than this was doing some of those, like, not another teen movie yeah. type films. Yeah. And he is part of the duo that created... Uh, do you remember the song from probably about 10 years ago? My Dick... Get so da ba ba. Kind of. Yeah, it was like a comedy song. Yeah. My dick is on the double feature screen. Yo dick went straight to DVD. Okay. It, and it's just. I, it, yeah, that song sounds fairly familiar. It, it's just kind of like a catchy, silly song. Sure. About having a big dick. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, so he's known for that as well, I guess. Yeah. He, or he was part of part of that. <laughs> yeah, he was part of. I guess they're like a comedy cool. rap group. Okay. Alrighty, so with all that being said, Micah, what do you how are you feeling about Red Rocket? Sure, yeah, Red Rocket, man. This was um this was a movie, and I found myself enjoying parts of it, but I can't say that I liked this movie. I think it well, Okay. Man, I'm really on the fence of like, do I like it or not as a whole? There were parts that I liked, there were there were other there were there was nothing really in here that like made me super uncomfortable or disgruntled. Sure, yeah. Um, or like there was nothing really offensive in here. No, I think honestly the like the subject material itself mm-hmm. in and of itself is probably more uncomfortable than what you actually get on screen. Yeah. I think they do a good job of writing a line where they're like, we know this is a fucked up story, mm-hmm. so you're going to get that. But also at the same time, it's like palatable where yeah. it, it's not just cramming it down your throat. There are certainly scenes that like I think make you question, like even watching it, even though you know it's fantasy and it's not real, mm-hmm. there are scenes that make you question like, this feels wrong watching it, which I think is kind of an interesting thing about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a weird movie to watch, man. Cause it, it's, <laughs> it is a dark comedy. I would say it's definitely a dark comedy, but there are funny parts in it. But at the same time, the movie starts out and I'm kind of feeling like, all right, well this guy, uh, what was his character's name? What was his Mikey. name? Mikey. Yeah. Like, so he's washed up and he gets off the bus and he's just, like somebody beat the shit out of him. Yeah. He's just bruised and everything. <laughs> shows up with a black eye. Yeah. And just shows up on his estranged wife's doorstep. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the beginning of the film, you're like, okay. I mean, me going into this, I knew the role that he played as far as his profession being a washed up porn star. But at the same time, even though I don't approve of that, I was kind of finding him an endearing character. Yeah, he is, he's, you know what he reminds me a lot of? Hmm. It's kind of, I guess maybe it's just a kind of standard archetype. Uh, Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems. This oh, yeah. guy is just a dirtbag shyster. Yeah. Like, he, like well, ultimately. It, yeah, and, and as the movie goes on, I 
found myself liking him less and less and less <gasps> oh, as like, but it's, too, yeah. it's, it's a weird fall from grace type of thing because I think that purposely he's presented as this likable, charming guy. And I think that's kind of cool because that's how he gets around and does his thing. Yeah. Right. Like surface level, he's very likable. Mm-hmm. He's got some wit and he's got personality. But the more you see of him, the more you realize just like this guy's a scumbag. He's he's a dirtbag for sure. He is a dirtbag narcissist. Yeah. Like and I love that in this movie, they kind of it does a lot. This movie does a lot of things that I like in movies. Yeah. One of the big ones we've talked about here on on here a lot is like I hate big exposition dumps where they just tell you everything that's going on. I like when the story they just let the story unfold through little pieces of dialogue. Sure. And you get that with this movie so much because as every step goes away, because when it starts, he's like, oh, I'm Mikey Saber. I'm this big hotshot porn star. He's like, I won all these awards. And then you go on to find out that it's actually the girls won the awards and he was just the dick in the scene. Right. He's like three different girls won a best blowjob scene and it was my dick with all of them. So what's the common denominator? So he's like, those are my awards. Yeah. And it's like, you get to see this almost, he's like delusional. Yeah. I, I he, He's delusional as, whereas, and also like when he's riding around with Lonnie, he's like, dude, Lonnie, my Pornhub account, I have like 900 followers. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe yeah. it's not even Pornhub. I he, think it's like he, his Instagram. Was, yeah. There was an Instagram thing and he was bragging about how much it was. And it was, it was in the low yeah, hundreds. He says, I have 900 followers. And Lonnie's like, man, I don't even have a hundred. Yeah. Which. which the subtext of that is anybody who knows anything about social media knows that actual famous people, even porn stars, have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if yeah. not millions of followers. Mm-hmm. And he's bragging about having 900. Yeah. Which not that that's nothing, but <laughs> for yeah. the way he's bragging about it. Yeah, he's, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's definitely put himself in a higher uh He's elevated himself to a higher yeah. status than what he actually is. Because he's bragging to a dumb hick in Texas. Yeah. He's like, man, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have even have 100 followers. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird kind of um, environment this was in. So much so that I I had to investigate a little bit into the director. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, now that I'm thinking about this, this movie, from what I heard, was made pretty cheaply. You want to hear? I have it right here. Oh, yeah, yeah. How much did it cost? 1.1 million budget. Holy crap. Basically nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Jeez. It's, and honestly, I think it's it actually looks pretty great. Like, I think they made some smart choices mm-hmm. with such a small budget. The, the camera itself, like, it feels like you can tell they weren't shooting on the on the most high quality, high definition cameras, but it yeah. kind of lends itself to the story. It almost has this like old school feel to it. Okay. And the actual, I'm assuming it was actually shot on like on site in Texas. Yeah. So, so that makes me, that ma- brings me to this, this next thing. Cause you were looking something up, trying to find something about this. And yeah. I was like, is it neorealism? Just cause out of curiosity. Um, and so I found this information out when I was trying to investigate the director slash writer who is Sean Baker about this. So he is really, really heavily inspired by a movement in film called the Italian neorealism movement, which happened right after the war, uh, Second World War. Okay. And 
Um, basically, it's a style of filming that is on set, on location, very cheaply made films, and it's focusing on uh, focusing on stories about like societal poor and okay. and um, kind of I don't want to say like the low lives of society, but it's it's the it's the have nots. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of society. And you can really tell that is an influence in this film. Oh, for sure. It feels like Gummo in a lot of ways. Dude, like, I was going to say the same it, thing. It feels a lot like Gummo where it's telling these stories of the people that society has forgotten about. The poor yeah. whites, dude. Like, yeah. you don't, you never say, because honestly, it kind of bugs me. I, I hate watching most TV shows and movies. I feel like every movie and TV show uh, in the last 10, 20 years, it's all like the main characters are always like either rich or like upper middle class people in these beautiful homes. And it's like, it bugs me so much. Cause I'm like, it's people watch these stories and like idolize these people. And it's like, it's not fucking reality. It's fantasy. Yeah. You know, I love these stories that actually look like, look at, you know, poor people. And then that's probably like a, a derivative and not even really what i'm trying to say but like actual like working people people who actually have to like scrape a by sure something closer like, to reality yeah maybe i fucking love maybe that's why i like this i fucking love stories like this yeah well and you might be you might be on the minority there thor because i i think that a huge thing about just the entertainment industry and as a whole is is the escapism part yeah so like probably part of the reason that even you see these movies and, and everybody's like upper middle class or wealthier. Yeah. Is that they don't have to worry about the money problems in the movie. Yeah, the actual day-to-day shit. Yeah, like yeah. the day-to-day stuff is is not what the story is about. And it lets people escape that day-to-day yeah, shit. Yeah, how often do you watch a movie or a TV show and they're worried about making rent? Yeah, like, I can. That's a big part of this movie is like paying bills and making rent. It's, it's not. It's not a lot. <laughs> that is neorealism. I yeah. guess I didn't necessarily think of that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I love seeing a story about some good old fashioned poor whites. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and so part of this part of that movement as well, this neorealist thing is using people in the film who are not professional actors. And and when I read that, I immediately thought of Gummo. I assumed that when I looked at the cast on on Wikipedia, the cast the three main characters, Simon Rex, Brielle Rod, Suzanne Sun, Mikey, Lexi, Strawberry, respectively. They have links for their name, assuming, you know, there's other Wikipedia entries on them. Sure. Nobody else does. Yeah. Uh, except for Miss Fan. And that's the donut owner? Yeah, yeah. The she donut shop owner? Yeah, those are the only people with Wikipedia account. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't sure. know if those people aren't actors or, yeah, or but not. I but. do think that there were a decent amount of people in here who were acting, but they weren't professional actors. I think, yeah. and I think that that's part of how they were able to make mm-hmm. it so cheaply. Yeah, right? and that's also probably what makes it feel like gummo too. Yeah, like honestly, the the grandma Lil, mm-hmm. dude, she feels like a real lady. She yeah. feels like she could slot right into gummo. Yeah, too. I could see that. <laughs> like she felt authentic, you know, and and that is kind of cool. I did enjoy that about this movie because. Cause you, it's different. Like, like if that would have been Meryl Streep, for example, do you think it would have had the same vibes? Do you think it would have had the same feeling as far as her character? No, of course. I, not. I don't think so. As as good of an actress as Meryl Streep is, I, I don't know. Maybe she's a bad example because she's so famous. But it just there's some authenticity that I think is tough to 
act out. Yeah. So that that is one of the things that I liked about this. And I I thought that the film as a whole was fairly entertaining. Um, this does seem to me like one of those movies where it probably, in my opinion, didn't need to be a film. Like, <laughs> really? Like it's one of those, like, is this worth two hours and ten minutes of a runtime? I don't know, No, Mike, dude. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like this story could have been told in about a half hour. It's okay. Hot take, Thor. You're not going to like this. But okay. here's kind of what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like it's a Coen brother movie, except not as good because nothing really happens in this story. Like, he shows up. He tries to get things started. He gets kicked out of town. That's it. I've just given you the whole plot. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's it's a snapshot in time. Sure. You know what I mean? It yeah. is I I get what you're saying. Yeah, nothing really is accomplished. Right. But it's so like I don't know. Maybe it's like I really love Simon Rex. Okay. I I love Mikey. Like it's just this is a, <laughs> this is one of those it's a character. It's kind of like a character study yes. of just a fucking dirt just a dirt bag. Yeah. And I love I love watching him wheel and deal and watching him sell this bullshit and people eat it up. And then the people who also don't eat it up, like his relationship with Lexi, where at first he's just talking to them and he's like, he's look like, look, I know you guys needed uh, a man around here and like, I'll just be here for a couple weeks. I promise I'll, I'll go down. I'll get a job right away. Sure. And her and her mom are just both looking and they're like, this fucking is piece of shit like they're not buying his shit he's just talking there he's like yes he looked the dog likes me because he's saying he has good energy he has a nice guy let him stay here yeah and he's just talking there off and they're like okay mikey we'll see if you don't have rent uh, if you don't have two hundred dollars by next week you're out yeah well and again there is that charmingness to him like he is charming he's a charming guy Mm -hmm. but i love watching him interact with everyone but as the movie goes on i reach the point where I'm not rooting for him anymore. Like, no, no. Like what? And I mean, elephant in the room, he is trying to groom an underage girl to get into the porn industry. Yeah. Right. Well, and basically he's down on his luck. And I think he is genuinely, I think he's trying to make the best of a bad situation. He had to come back to Texas with his tail between his legs. Right. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, I'm just going to try to make it work with my wife. She's kind of like the ex-wife, kind of estranged. And like, yeah. you know, when he's taking dick pills so that he can, which I think is a cool little uh, piece they put in this. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's like a real thing. Like, like guys who work in the porn industry, like after a while, they use so many drugs to stay hard for shooting scenes constantly. Their dicks will just stop working for real. And yeah. then the only way they can get hard is by using medicine and shit. Sure. Which I thought was a neat thing they put in here. So it's almost like he's making the best of a bad situation. Then he kind of starts feeding, he starts selling weed and he's like getting back on his feet, just trying to find his hustle. And then he meets this girl and he's immediately like, oh my God. And then he, there's this immediate shift where now he is working her. Do you think that it's a shift? I feel like the movie starts out very smartly making you think these exact things like he's he's maybe going to try and work it out with his wife. He's going to try and fix the relationship there. He's just sticking around for a bit. But the swiftness that he makes that 180 turn 
where as soon as he sees uh, the the girl goes by the name of Strawberry, mm-hmm. he's just like, this is my ticket back. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think that he ever came in to Texas City with good intention. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. It, yeah, maybe I misunderstood. So I think he went in with like, I'm biding time yeah. until I can find my next hustle. I don't yes. necessarily know yeah. what it is. And I don't even think it's conscious. I think it's like just subconscious. Like he doesn't even necessarily. I don't think it's well thought out because I think he is a true narcissist. Yeah. And I think he thinks everything is going to work out because he makes constant idiot stupid decisions. Yeah, it is very in the in the immediate gratification. I think he is arrested development, still a child. That's why he's so good. Like, I love him flirting with her Mm -hmm. because it's like. Like, yeah, it's gross because you're like, oh, here's this 40 year old dude and this 17 year old girl. And and the way he's flirting with her is the way a teenager would flirt. And it's almost like that's why he's so good at it, because he's childish, because he is a child. He never grew up and will never take accountability for who he is. Yeah, I I think so. There there are a couple of like really big things that jumped out to me that really made me not like him. Okay. Okay. Two in particular. One is he's in the car with his neighbor Lonnie, yeah. who he's just mooching to like use him to get around town. And I love and- all those scenes because those scenes are just him talking and Lonnie can't get a word in edgewise. Every scene with them together is him just talking about himself to Lonnie and yeah. just being braggadocious about yes. himself. Yeah, yeah. Or or saying how all of his like these are all of his plans and this is how it's gonna be amazing. Yep. Right? And in one, like the last one that you see, they're talking and they're on the highway and he goes, oh, you got to turn right here. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Lonnie Something cuts. Something crocs on the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, so Lonnie cuts across traffic and then it just goes to the next scene. You don't see what happens. Um, but you find out that him cutting over and trying to get off the ramp caused like a 21 car pile up. Yeah. Um, I love the way they did that where yeah. it's just it, he makes the tur- you can tell he's like turn here and then you just hear like a of a of a truck's horn. Yes. And then the next scene is them getting off or like pulling up to his house and there's just like fuck fuck we're fucked you fucked us we're fucked. Yeah. And he gets out of the car and he's like you don't know me. And Lonnie's like Dude. he's like no say it you don't know me you never met me. Yeah. And Lonnie's like okay I don't I don't know you and he's like okay good and then he just fucking runs inside yeah so he's he's so quick to just throw this guy under the bus because yeah. this guy does end up getting uh captured by the police he goes to court you know and and he is so excited he being um being mikey when a statement is made and in that statement lonnie doesn't say anything about him Yep. Like he's got to run outside. I did kind of chuckle a little bit because he runs outside and he's like fist pumping, throwing his hands up in the air and going, yes. And then he looks and Lonnie's dad <laughs> is just, standing he's just there. staring yeah. at him. Yeah. Um, But that really resonated with me for just how much of a scumbag this guy is. Yeah. A hundred percent narcissist does not give a fuck yeah. about anybody. And and the second part was the the whole grooming thing. He wasn't, it really became apparent that he wasn't grooming her out of attraction to her. I mean, there was, there was that like primal attraction. Yeah, of course. He was grooming her because he felt like she specifically was his ticket back into the industry Mm -hmm. and that's it. 
And when that became really, really apparent and that it wasn't like an attraction between an adult and a teenager, when that shift happened for me, I was like, oh, OK, so this guy is just scum, like 100 percent. Yeah, because because yeah. while it's still wrong, I can look at it and go, well, he's attracted to her. It's a legitimate thing. Yeah. Even though it's wrong. And, right? I, and almost, I don't agree and with it. And once again, like you said, is the director trying to I think the director does do this thing of trying to make you think, oh, he's childish. Yeah. And he likes this this young girl. You know what I mean? Which isn't cool. And like you feel like that's what it's exploring. And that's not what this movie is exploring. Not at all. It is exploring yeah. exploring a master manipulator. Yeah. Who uses everyone around him yeah. for his own personal gain at every step of the way, at every moment. He's charming. He's great at wheeling and dealing. But ultimately, his motivations are always, what can I get out of this situation? What is in this for me? He is a horrible, bad person. He really is. And it's fucking magic to watch. Like, it's so it's so interesting. And I love how it unfolds where you do slowly. You like him less and less. Yeah. Yeah. And even by the point where you're like, okay, he's a bad guy. Then he just keeps you're like, oh, my God, he's so bad. Like, he just keeps getting worse. <laughs> he just keeps getting worse. Yeah. And I think and there's a reason why they have her say it three times. But towards the end, his wife, Lexi, they're kicking him out of the house mm-hmm. and taking all his money. Yeah. Very gratifying scene. It, you know what? That actually really is a very gratifying and, scene. And she's they're kicking him out and uh-huh. he has and they made him put his shit in a trash bag. And she's like, You ain't nothing but a suitcase pimp. And he's like, What'd you say? And she's like, You heard me. You're a homeless trash bag suitcase pimp. And and the way they shot it is kind of weird, almost where they like agree. really zoom in on her eyes. Mm-hmm. But it's like that's the moral of the story: is he has all these uh, delusions of grandeur as far as who he is, sure. and his place in the universe and what he represents. And the reality of it is, he is just a pimp who uh, who takes advantage of women. That like that's his game is manipulating women to. To make money for him. Yeah. And he's a home, he's homeless and broke and doesn't have anything going on for him except for that. Yeah. Yeah. It it really is kind of an interesting like that whole final scene is very, very interesting because I think, again, if they would have kept playing Mikey as this likable guy through mm-hmm. the entire film, that scene at the end, I don't think it would have been as impactful. No. Because I was like, yeah, dude, you you deserve all of this shit. Like, yeah, I, no, I hope they beat the yeah, shit out of it's you. It's hilarious. Yeah, you're hoping that the the big the big guys will just beat the shit out of him, and they don't. And that's probably the most disappointing part is they don't <laughs> right. even hit him a little bit, yeah. or not even the guys. The June, yeah, the the young lady who he keeps calling sister, and she's like, "Don't call me sister." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, okay, June, sorry." You know what I mean? Like. She, I love her. I think she's a great character. Yeah. Like, and she's the daughter of the weed dealer that he's working uh, for. Yeah. Uh, Leandria. Yeah. So, but she's, it seems like she's kind of stepping into that role as far as it, you can definitely tell that when, yeah. when Leandria re- decides she's done, then June is going to take over. Yeah. It's a family weed business. Yeah. And, and June is so fun because she picks up on his bullshit right away. Yeah. 
from the very first moment he walks in and is like trying to confront me some weed and she immediately there's this great scene where he's walking away and june just eyeballs him the whole time he's walking away like she knows right from the get he is a shyster and she sees through it and is just kind of a dick to him through the whole movie she, once again yeah. very very gratifying <laughs> yeah and which and it's also creates a lot of funny moments where he just ignores it when somebody's a dick to him he just ignores it if somebody doesn't like him i don't know if it's a lack of self-awareness or if he is just so determined he doesn't care he is always trying to like kill people with kindness and charm them Mm -hmm. like he always tries to get get things accomplished through charming people like the donut shop lady. She obviously hates him too. hundred percent. And he's always, <laughs> and he's like, always like, hi, Miss fan. I, I swept the cigarettes out front of your store. And she's like, why are you behind counter? <laughs> and like, she obviously hates him, but yeah. he doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. He just ignores it. He's like, if you're not going to actually tell me to leave. Yeah. I'm not going to, or leave. that you don't like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, watching this, I could definitely tell why you liked this movie. Because there's nobody to root for. That's true. And Because even Lexi and Lil. Right. Who his, you know, wife and mother-in-law who he lives with, they're like, I wouldn't say they're unlikable characters, but they're definitely, they're they're not heroes. For you sure. You know what I mean? And I, I think that especially, was is Lil his wife's name? Lexi, oh, Lexi. is his wife. Yeah. So especially at the end, because she's the one who calls. Um, so like, yeah, at the end, he's like, OK, I'm going to leave because he, he tells Strawberry, we're going to pack up and we're going to leave tomorrow. We're going to go to California. <laughs> I love that scene when he walks in and he's like, uh, he walks in and tells her, like, look. I mean, your mom doesn't want me here and yeah. <laughs> and we've we've been fighting and nobody want nobody wants that. Meanwhile, all of the fights were caused by him being an asshole because as yeah. soon as he realized he had a way that he thought it was going to be out, once he had one foot out, he was out. Yeah. So he started causing all the problems and creating those fights. Well, he was just being a, yeah, he was being a jerk through the entire through the entire thing yeah. too. Well, he's nice and sw- when he's still trying to be there, he's mm-hmm. being sweet and he's giving them money and he's like, I'm paying the rent this month. I'm going to take you out and buy you food and I'm buying groceries. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he seems like he's actually being a good guy. They let him in and he tricked them just like they thought he would, but they hoped he wouldn't. Yeah. And so that scene is so, so brilliant because it's like, we as the audience are like, why would you even tell her that? Why wouldn't you just, Get your shit and just leave leave. in the morning. But he's so unaware. He thinks he has so much control over people that he's like, I'm going to twist this and make her think that it's a good idea that I'm leaving, that it's her. It's her idea that I'm leaving. Yeah. (laughs) So. So, yeah. And then she she ends up calling the drug dealers. And so they just show up to their place in the middle of the night. And I think at that point you really see her true colors because she, I mean, I guess she's been wronged by him though, too. So she's obviously upset at the situation. Yeah. He was her first. He's the first, uh, she's the first woman he pimped out. Yeah. Essentially. He got her to move to California and do porn with him. Yeah. But, uh, it, it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting movie, man. Um, how do you feel about the ending? 
like the like the very end, the last scene. <laughs> I think it's perfect. Yeah, like it's so stupid. Like, cause yeah, he they give him two hundred bucks, and he has to, and they're like, just walk, get out of Texas City. Mm-hmm. And so he walks to Strawberry's house, and she opens up the door, and she's just in a bikini. Yeah, and you just get this little smile from him, which is perfect because. I think in a lot of stories, in a lot of films, TV, the thing that people are looking for oftentimes is character growth and a character arc. Sure. He does not have an arc. He does not have <laughs> any all. growth yeah. because the last thing is she opens up the door and she's in a sexy bikini and he just kind of gives this like this little smile of like the wheels turning yeah. where it's like. It just shows there was zero growth. All that he just got, almost got the shit kicked out of him, got all his money that he had made in the last months taken from him. Yep. uh, Essentially put in his place. He's as low as he can be. And then as soon as she opens the door, he's right back to, well, this is my ticket out. You know what I mean? It's like all of that just melts away in that one moment because there is no growth. He is still a narcissist. He will always be a narcissist. Do you think that that scene was real? Uh, no, I think I think it's similar to like the ending of the whale. Yeah, where it's more. I think it's more metaphorical. Yeah, as, a, as opposed to like something that actually happened. Yeah. So so I guess for me, I was trying because I felt like it was immediately obvious, or at least to me, how I perceived it was. This isn't really happening. This is essentially wishful, hopeful thinking on his part. Yeah. Like maybe he's delusional. I don't know. But I don't think that she opened the door. I don't think that she opened the door with a, like a sexy bikini on and started dancing. My guess is that she's not going to go with him at all. Well, that's I think that is you as a good and moral person. That's what you hope for. <laughs> Well, so the reason I think that, I mean, that might be the case. That might be the case. But like for me, he doesn't have any money to go anywhere. He has got, he's got 200 bucks. That's enough for a bus ticket. I guess, I guess. But also he, like, I, I, I don't know. She was very standoffish about him showing up at her house because she didn't want him to like meet his, his mom or meet her mom. So, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets cold feet and leaves. Because she doesn't seem like she wants to do it anyway. But it, but it is it is one of those things where it leaves it open for interpretation. Yeah. Right? So, maybe it is. Maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part that she, like, wisens up. And Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly open-ended. Because, like, it definitely feels as though that's not real as far as the context of the rest of the movie like it definitely feels out of place like so for me when i see it i'm like oh she opened the door but she was basically like hey mikey you know what i mean and that's just kind of like a metaphorical representation of like this is my meal ticket gotcha um could be the case him coveting her in that in that way in that way um because I think what probably happens is she does go with him. She gets the bus ticket. He comes up with some bullshit lie of how, why he doesn't have as much money as he said. And as soon as they get to California, he starts pimping her out. Yeah. You know, like that's, it's a much darker turn. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's a yeah. much darker, but I think realistically, based on where the story was going, mm-hmm. I think that's probably what. I think that's where it's going to go. <laughs> where it goes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I think that that is just yeah. as likely. Yeah. So what did you feel about... Uh, there is an interesting thing. The whole way throughout this movie is there's constantly TVs on, and it's always uh, the 2016 presidential election coverage. Yeah. Where So you're hearing the debates with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and there is a ton of that going on in the background. To me, it didn't do anything other than give us a time period that this was in. So there's, it's kind of interesting. I couldn't find exactly, I had heard it discussed um, before uh, because I had heard like Simon Rex on like an interview. Yeah. That was actually where I had heard about this movie. It was, I listened to him like on a podcast talking about the movie. I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. Um, But so essentially that's all kind of like intentional for like a couple of reasons. Yeah. Whereas one, yeah, it's capturing a moment in time, but also it's kind of like capturing the lives of the poor whites. And I think the director was intentionally trying to make a point of like, you know, because you can't do, you know, like Trump, whatever. I don't want to get into that shit on here, but, but like there is a legit actual factual, like populist movement happening in our country. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that really culminated in 2016 with that stuff. And it's because of people like this who feel like society has left them behind. Uh, I would, I would agree with that being. I think like that the and not, I'm not of, even necessarily. I'm not even necessarily saying that is truth or no. Right. I'm just saying that was the director's point in putting that in here. And I also saw a little bit of an article that was saying that uh, I don't know if this is something the director said or if it was just somebody else watching it and inferring this, but that uh, Mikey is kind of almost supposed to represent a Trumpian type figure. Yeah, certainly if you came from the pers- from a liberal perspective, you would say, OK, he's a liar. He's a narcissist. <laughs> you know what I mean? He he disrespects women. So I don't know. Once again, I don't know if the. The director said that. Oh, that he specifically is like an analog. Yeah, to Trump. he's like a Trump analog, and that's kind of maybe why some of that imagery is in there. I don't know if like exactly that that thing may have just been a theory. Sure, I didn't really read the whole article. I was just kind of I was looking for some clarification on the all the the presidential election stuff being played in the background throughout the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. So to me, honestly. That stuff, like the the presidential election stuff happening in the background, mm-hmm. was really background for me. I I didn't find myself paying attention to that at all. So as far as the the specific speeches or parts of debates that they played, I couldn't tell you what they were. Yeah, and perhaps that's perhaps that's the reason they're in there too, where it's almost like background noise, where everybody wants to make assumptions about this. Yeah, where it's like these people are just busy trying to live their fucking lives. Right. You know what I mean. I think it's an interesting choice, though, and I think there's certainly a creative decision for that. Sure. And like, I unfortunately, I just couldn't find it. I would like to find. I would like to find in uh, uh, something Baker. What's his name? Sean Baker. Uh, Sean Baker. I would like to see something in Sean Baker's words about exactly why. I know it exists somewhere. I just couldn't find couldn't it before find it. we started recording today. Yeah, I would be interested in hearing that as well. I, I think without that information. I don't know if I'd want to weigh in on my thoughts on it because that could really sway me. <laughs> yeah, it really could sway me. So for for now, I'll, I'll just say that it didn't really do much for or against. 
the feeling of the movie. Like that really, really was background okay. to me. It, it didn't make any impact on it. So if it was supposed to, then maybe that was a failure on... I, I don't necessarily think it was supposed to, but I mean, like I said, it's certainly done intentionally. Sure. And I just find it, I find it kind of like an interesting little like piece of of this story. Yeah. Something that like you can maybe even read your own. I think all great art, and I'm not saying this is great art, but I think any art should have a little bit of ambigu- amb- God. ambiguity. God. Amb- ambiguity to there it. We Thank go. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that, so that you can draw your own conclusions and maybe take your own perspective away from it. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that things like that will help a film be successful. Where if, if you're trying to make a statement, but you're trying to let the audience make that statement, then the audience is going to naturally make the statement that they want. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, there is one other piece I want your feedback on. Okay. How do you feel about the the one constant through line of this film is InSync's Bye Bye Bye? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I <laughs> loved that it. Great? Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, too, that reminds me, there's another scene. So when when uh, when Mikey and Strawberry have their little getaway at uh, Strawberry's house mm-hmm. when her mom is away, she starts playing the piano and singing this version of of Insync's Bye Bye oh my Bye. God. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. Like, it's a really cool version. And it really, that might have been dude, the part that made me not dude, like Mikey. That's, that for me, that's the saddest scene in that whole movie. Because essentially he just filmed them having, they had sex and uh-huh. she and he was like, we should film it. And, she, you know, once again, he's just... Just little, he's just chipping away little by little trying mm-hmm. to get her to go into the porn industry with him. Yeah. And he's like, let me film it. And she's like, well, we better use my, because he doesn't care. She, She's like, let's do it on my phone so you can't send it to anybody. He's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Right? Because that's not, that's not what he cares about. He's just trying to get her more comfortable with having sex in front of the camera because that's his ultimate goal for her. Right? Sure. So. He does that, and then after they have sex, they're, like, laying in her bedroom. And once again, like, that's, once again, very weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? It is fantasy. They are are both, in real life, consenting adults, Mm -hmm. but in the film, he's... He's in her 40s having sex with a girl who's 17, right? There's a lot of shitty, like, feeling bad stuff about that. Yeah. But then they get done, and he's like, oh, you have a piano? Are you going to play something for me? And she's like, yeah. And she sings beautifully. She plays the piano and sings beautifully. And there's this, like, undertone that she is a young, smart person Mm -hmm. with this incredible talent and she is just having her mind fucked with yeah. by this dirtbag narcissist. Yeah. It's so powerful and so sad. Yeah, I such got that a, same vibe. Such a sad scene as she's playing the piano with her tits out. Yeah. And it's like, well, and, and, and so like all of it, it just culminates in like, I felt very bad watching that. Like, Well, yeah, just, because that's the only part of the movie where you see anybody, and I don't mean this in a, like... I'm just going to say it, whatever. It's, it'll sound how it sounds. You don't see anybody else in this movie with potential. Yeah. No, right? absolutely. And so. They're poor so, white. So then you see that and you're like, oh, like this girl is smart. She's got talent. And then she's going to throw that away. <laughs> for this fucking idiot. For, yeah. For this, this dirtbag. Jack off. Scumbag yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a. 
It is a I think that's scene. the most important scene in the movie. It's a pretty good scene. Because you almost... Powerful. It's a powerful scene, I should say. Yeah, like, because it's almost... You get... I, I think that is showing one thing where... You're just seeing her as a character. You're just seeing her as a character the rest of the way, like prior to that, where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's kind of weird. She's a teenager. He's a guy. But then that scene shows you why that situation is so fucked up. Because you're like, oh, my God, she has all this potential. That's that's the word you use. That's the exact word. She has all this potential. Yeah. And he is he is like ripping that away from the, her potentially. And yeah. that's what's. That's the ultimate, like, what's gross about what's happening. Yeah. Well, and she's throwing it away because of love on her end. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like she's making that dumb it's, move it's to lo- be like, well, it's love. She's in love and it's exciting and she's yeah. young and she's like, oh, this seems really. And it's like. And he's just tricking her to throw it away mm-hmm. so that he can better himself. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's such a selfless yeah. or selfish act on his part. It really disgusts me. Yeah, that is certainly. I mean, there are a lot of turns in this movie where you're like, oh, he can't get any worse. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He can. He just gets worse. He yeah. can. He just gets worse and worse. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we are we are at that point, my my friend, where we oh, should already? get into some ratings and and wrap up this thing. We've been raw dogging it. <laughs> Don't say raw dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alrighty. On a scale of one to 13 glazed donuts. Ooh, a baker's dozen. Baker's dozen. Um, How are you going to rate this? So, uh, I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go with six. Okay. Ooh, wow, man. <laughs> I really thought you were going to come in higher on this. Yeah? Yeah. Um, th- There were parts, well, maybe seven. I could go with seven. I could okay. go with seven, but I... Out of 13. Okay. But I don't know if I can go any higher. Sure. I just don't... There there wasn't anything for me to thoroughly latch on to. Like, like I, I felt like I was watching something without hope. And... Yeah, it's definitely that. And because, <laughs> because of that, whenever that type of stuff happens with me, I kind of become disconnected from the, the thing that I'm watching. Okay. Um, not necessarily that there has to be hope, but if I, if I see and my brain goes... All right, there's nothing in here that's redeemable out of any of these characters. Like there, and it's not being... If they would have directed it in a way where maybe there was a glimmer of hope, like maybe after after Mikey leaves the donut shop one day and the owner of the donut shop comes to him, or comes to her, her being Strawberry, and goes, you know, you really could like do better. Mm-hmm. Or like, why is that guy coming around? He's a scumbag. And then you, ha- if you would have had a longing scene where she was just kind of, kind of like thinking about it, something to make you as the viewer go, maybe she's gonna do it, maybe she's not. Yeah, right. But I never, I was never questioning the fact that she was all in. Yeah, right. Like she was being manipulated. And oh I, yeah. And I kind of like if they would have, if they would have played with with my intrigue a little bit, I think I would have liked this more. Okay. Is I that, get that. Is that kind of Yeah, yeah, sense? no, you don't want to just wallow in darkness. Yeah. And that's the difference between you and I, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I was so. I was born in the darkness. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm very right. comfortable swimming in those waters. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, I do, I think I do, I mean, that's, 
pretty yeah. well established at this point. Is yeah. I I tend to really like sad dark shit with no hope. And I can be <laughs> like, I can be there too, but I feel like I feel like there has to be a journey to get there. Yeah. And so for me, there wasn't really emotionally there was no character arcs yeah i I think those are that is fair point like there are no character arcs with this yeah everybody's just kind of yeah you're you're watching it you put it yeah you put it very aptly this is a character study about mikey saber Mm -hmm. and mikey saber is who he is man and you're either gonna like it or you're not and through the film i decided i did not (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you said you did i would be very concerned Sure. Yeah. Um, so so that's I would say seven because there were parts that were entertaining. I did find parts entertaining. Um, but ultimately, when the movie ended, I was like, eh, I don't think I ever. This is probably my least favorite A24 film that I've seen. OK. Yeah. I think it's worse than hereditary. <sighs> uh, now you're making me rethink things, Thor. <laughs> I mean, you did give uh, Hereditary a much lower that's score. That's true. Okay. We, I've we gotta, just won't I've count gotta, that one because it's not a... I've got to walk it back. It's <laughs> not as bad as Hereditary, I guess. <laughs> okay. It's not as bad as Hereditary. Um, okay, I'll rephrase. This is the most mediocre A24 film that I've Fair seen. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where I stand with it. It's not... For me, it wasn't uh, super, super thrilling. Um, but at the same time, I also didn't hate it. You know, I, I didn't hate this film at all. It was entertaining in parts. But then when it was over, I was kind of like, oh, well, that's like there's no resolution. Interest, yeah. You know, for me, I think I didn't even realize it till we were recording. And I said that earlier is that this reminds me a lot of Gummo. It's so much. Of this Gummo. for me, I think, is good Gummo. I would agree with that. I, I think this yeah. is a I w- yeah, it's I would certainly agree with that. a. I think they set out with a similar goal. Yeah, there's no cat drowning in and this I one. And I think the execution here is much more palatable and yes. enjoyable. <laughs> yes, I agree. So. I, yeah, good gummo. That's what, that's the rating that I'm going to give it. Out of how many donuts? Good gummo good donuts. Gummo. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Oh, what are, uh, so uh, what are you giving me for next week? Yeah, so I feel like we. it's been a little bit since we've done some some comic book stuff. So I want to get into some comic book stuff, but, um, I would like us to read a comic compilation called the last Ronin. Okay. Which it is a Ninja turtle story. Okay. Where set in the future and all of the Ninja turtles have died except one. Ooh, I'm excited. I heard, uh, I've heard of this, me and Zach McCrary, we're talking about it one time. Yeah. He was just kind of telling me the story that like there's one turtle left and yep. he's like avenging the death of his uh-huh. the other turtles. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited to read this. So, yeah. so it's, I think it's a five issue. It was a five issue series. And I think that the five issues were released over a number of years, which that's a long time to wait for okay. a, for a comic issue to come out like every six months. But that's, that's how this one was. So I've got the collection. Um, and we're going to, we're going to read that. So the last Ronin, I found it at Target for some reason. Target had it. it's Ninja Turtles, so I feel like they're kind of. Yeah, I, but I just, I don't think about Target as being a place to buy comic books. Okay, fair enough. Or, or like like trade collections. But so when I saw that there, I thought that's interesting. Um, so anyway, I snagged it from there. Um, so that's what we're going to get into next week. We're going to get into the last Ronin. 
Uh, how do you guys feel about the movie Red Rocket? Um, I wouldn't have even put two and two together as far as what the name of the movie was insinuating until until our recent uh, trip where we played a bunch of board games and we started talking about Red Rocket. I mean, it's talking about his penis, right? Like, that's... That's what I'm Red, guessing. It's got to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about him hanging dong in this movie, running so much. around naked. Yeah. He's got. He's got a piece on him, dude. <laughs> so and it's to my understanding that was. I mean, it's a 1.1 million budget film. There were no prosthetics. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> that boy is just swinging. Yeah. So how good, do you feel good about for you, Simon Rex? How do you feel about that crew? Uh, tell us what you think about Red Rocket. Tell us what you think about Simon Rex's Red Rocket. Yep, Simon Rex's Red <laughs> Rocket. If you want to get into that, we'll take the info. Um, if you have any recommendations for us, you can find us on a number of different places. You can find us on Spotify. You can send us messages there, actually. Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on threads. You can find us on Facebook. And you can send us an email at getrecpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. So, um, as always, folks. Nope. Until next time. As always. I was so close to just nailing the outro, <laughs> Thor. I was so close. You were real close. <sighs> Start over? Nah, you get wrecked out there. <laughs> Stay wrecked. Oh, man. Uh, one of these days, Thor. One of these days, I'm going to get it.